a friendly warning. Some of the stories in the Monster Box contain scenes depicting adult themes, strong language, sexual content, and intense violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, friend, and welcome to The Monster Box, a collection of audio stories of and about monsters inspired by the D&D universe. I'm your resident monster host and narrator, Chuck D. Yeager. Beside me sits the aforementioned Monster Box, a treasure chest full of stories written by a collective of monster lovers, like yourself, known as the Monster Nation. Each time I open it, I release a new tale about a different creature for your enjoyment. So let's lift the lid and see what awaits us. Today's adventurous romp explores the mimic. What's a mimic? Well, the story you will hear will explain in more detail, but suffice it to say that they're a misunderstood race of creatures that like to appear as inanimate objects to camouflage the fact that they really are just hungry mouths that want to eat everything. In classic fantasy stories, they lure adventurers to their deaths by appearing to be treasure chests. But maybe there's more to them that meets the eye, or eyes in this case. This story is brought to you by Chris Olm, dear listener. I hope you enjoy it. It's entitled, A Deal is a Deal. The little gnome with the freshly severed leg goes by Lumvendo Waywalkit Schleppenforth to many of his friends. But to his fellow murder hobos, he answers only to Rat Dog. We should call him Lum because this little guy really needs some friends right about now. Now as we open our story, Lum is hurting for certain. His thigh is a ragged stump of meat and bone where the mimic's toothy shark teeth took his leg. He is dragging himself like a bloody snail across the floor of the treasure chamber, his severed femoral artery merrily pumping his life away in rhythmic bursts. His absent right leg now an aperitif for a monster camouflaged as a treasure chest. You know, a mimic. What's a mimic? You won't be glad you asked. Now imagine a perfectly normal treasure chest. Big oak tub bounded in rusty iron braces, some gems scattered on the lid, big brass lips, a couple of keyholes. Now then take that ordinary chest and cross it with the teeth of a great white shark, eyes of a tarantula, and a gluey frog's tongue the size of a python. According to Lum's favorite book, Creatures of the Underdark, and I'm quoting here, Mimics are shape-shifting predators, able to take on the form of inanimate objects to lure creatures to their doom. Beware of treasure chests and dark burrows. When you see a mimic's toothy grin and adhesive tongue, it's too late. End quote. Lum rolled over, too tired to drag himself further, watching in exhausted horror as the mimic's tongue pulled the severed leg carefully apart. A scullery mate preparing a stewed chicken couldn't have done a better job. From inside the mimic's treasure chest body, Lum could hear a little asthmatic gulps as bit of his legs were consumed. Lum's consciousness faded from his broken body, a ghostly voice in his head reminding him of his mother. <clears throat> then, everything went black. Only a sadist would want to stick around and watch Lum bleed out, so let's flash forward to the present where things have settled down a bit. Oh, and surprise! Lum's still alive. Three months after Lum's encounter with the Mimic, 
He's waiting for a paladin who owes him. Big time. The paladin's name is Felicity Lightbringer, and he is more than a bit of an asshole. Lum had been waiting patiently on a drooping iron tree bench for several hours, the contours of the bench polished by the friction of three centuries of armored asses. A large copper mug of ale sat untouched next to a greasy bowl of brown meat on the table before him. A bruised and battered contract, a blood pact, if you want to know the truth, was spread out like a wine-spattered tablecloth. The blood pact had gone through hell, and so had Lum. All that was left of his right leg below the thigh was an ornate peg. His amputated right arm was replaced with a dark wooden limb, banded in silver and gold and decorated with a sprinkling of semi-precious red stones, the wooden fingers curled into a permanent fist. Absent-mindedly, Lum brought his homemade pipe to his thin lips, puffing contentedly on a gnomish family recipe of twelve different herbs, tobacco, and just the right amount of dried goat shit. While Lum's apple cheeks swelled and deflated in regular rhythm, smoke spirals wafted through the iron tree branches that formed a living canopy surrounding the cozy room here in the outside inn. Lum always felt safe at the outside inn. Less a traditional pub and more of a campground, it squatted within moldy ruins a few days from Waterdeep. Each room was a hollowed ironwood tree, furnished with a small round table, with a bench for drinking and a floor for puking. The outside inn was close enough to civilization to serve as a meeting place and far enough away to avoid the prying eyes. Out of the corner of his eye, Lum saw a young rat gingerly stretch on the top of a table, attempting to reach the remains of Lum's bowl of stew. He fed the rat a small bit of gravy-soaked bread with his good hand. Nose twitching, the rat came closer, as if pulled in by a string. Lum was good with animals. He reached out with his mind, sending a gnomish message of warmth and comfort. Beast, I am your friend. Come to me. That's r- right, little rat, he said aloud. You can t- trust me. Lum's stutter was three months old, and like his missing limbs, a casualty of his tango with the mimic. The rat hesitated for just a moment, then gnawed at the oily bread. Lum was called the Rat Dog for reasons beyond his alacrity in finding treasure. He had a real way with animals. Growing up, Lum preferred the barn and the whelping box to the hot, noisy chambers of his constantly chattering family. Animals were simple, true to their nature. With them, a deal was always a deal. And, in a nutshell, that's the sole reason the one-armed, peg-legged, Lum Vendo way walking schlepping forth was here at the outside inn talking to a rat and waiting patiently in a hollowed-out tree covered in moss and reeking of smoked goat shit to get what he was owed. Pretty dramatic, huh? I bet you're wondering how the hell Lum got away from that mimic. We'll get to it, but first, you need to meet the aforementioned asshole. Here he comes now. Rat dog! Fidelity Lightbringer stooped to enter the hollowed tree the horns of his war helmet scratching grooves into the wood of the ceiling with a chalkboard screech. He gazed at Lum with mock admiration. I'd heard you'd paid an arm and a leg for your passage back to civilization, but I thought it only a jest. He snorted derisively. Fidelity was a towering figure, standing a little over four gnomes high. The paladin was cloaked in enameled white plate, a two-handed greatsword holstered on his back, a short sword clanging at his hip, pair of cross-hilt daggers on each armored thigh. Around his neck, 
The paladin wore the soul guard, a legendary amulet featuring a lion's face impaled upon a golden sun, the yellow sapphires of its eyes glittering dangerously in the fire. Once activated by a whispered incantation, the soul guard infused the wearer's armor with invulnerability. It was hella cool dungeon swag. Yes, the paladin had done well for himself with the returns from their underdark adventure, Lump thought. You could buy a lot of turnip seed for the price of that armor. Bingo bongo. Enough for a generation of little Lums. Hello, Fidelity. Lum was nothing if not polite. Fidelity was incredulous at the gnome's verbal struggle. Oh, dear soul. Just when I thought your voice could not irritate me more, you've gone and picked up a st 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 stutter. The Hulk and Paladin picked up Lum's untouched egg. My thanks to Soul for this small bounty. May he smile upon the great and powerful as well as the broken and small. Felicity took a swig, his steel blue eyes casting about the room. He spied the rat, its shaggy black body now frozen in the act of purloining the last piece of oily bread. Fidelity drained the ale in one smooth motion through the heavy copper goblet at the exposed rodent. The impact picked the small rat up off its feet, smashing it into the ironwood wall. On the floor, the rodent twitched in agony, its leg broken. You're welcome, rat dog, Fidelity said as his armored boot heel stamped out the rodent's life. No! Lum balled his tiny fists in anger. Finally, he sputtered, It was my friend. Fidelity stared at the stuttering gnome, his hands on his hips, a smile of comprehension spreading across his face. Never let it be said that Fidelity Lightbringer doesn't pay his debts. The paladin flipped a copper from his satchel onto the table. That should cover the funeral expenses and take care of the next of kin. His voice hardened. Now, about that business between us. Tell me how you survived, if you want to live longer than that rat. You see? I told you, Fidelity was an asshole. But was this always the case? And what about this whole expedition into the Underdark? Let's flash back and fill in some blanks. The expedition into the Underdark had started on a typical note. A map, a legendary treasure, four adventurers, and a gnome to guide them. The expedition's leader was, as you may have surmised, Fidelity Lightbringer an ex-paladin excommunicated for the crimes connected to the sexual debasement of a warhorse. <laughs> Fidelity had an angle on getting right with this god, and it was going to be expensive. His play was to assemble a crack team of murder hobos to find the Soul Guard, a holy artifact of divine protective power. His team was the best he could afford. Sad-eyed Sam, a kleptomaniac who went pro, a thief with a monkey on his back and a copper in his pocket. He needed cash for his habit and made no bones about it. Volsvath Dench, a half-orc, half-wit with half a face. A killing machine, too stupid to run and too dull for pain. She was a meat shield you could rely on. Eloi Branson, an elf battle mage with delusions of mediocrity whose malignant racism extended to all races of the world, but most especially gnomes. So not a bad party breakdown, right? You got your charismatic fanatic, your meat shield, your B&E guy, somebody that can bring on the magic hate, and a god dog. Now all we need is a MacGuffin. You know, the super powerful thing everybody wants for some reason. Open up, baby bird, because here comes a fat magic worm for you. The Soul Guard.
The Soul Guard had been missing in action for centuries, hidden by the Melarican dwarfs. Its destiny? Well, to be reclaimed by a worthy king who would restore the dwarfs to their former glory and deliver powerful vengeance on their oppressors. Yada yada. But now, the dwarfs were long gone. Their legend consumed by the indifferent Thunderdark. Finding the Soul Guard had resisted at least three generations of greedy adventurers. That's where Lung, the rat dog, came in. He looked at things slightly differently than your typical adventurer. To find something that was lost, Lum reasoned the simplest way was to ask. So the rat dog sniffed around. He identified the migration patterns of the cabin rats that had made their home in the old dwarvish quarter with a simple gnomish spell. Placing these patterns over the map revealed a black hole where no cavern rat would nest. Bingo Bongo, the Soul Guard, hidden in the Crypt of Kings. Lum liked to find things. It was easy if you knew how to ask. Lum spent the night before Felicity's fellowship set out for the Underdark in a pig pen. As he drifted off to sleep in the hay, surrounded by the warm stench of freshly cut straw and pig shit, Lum was filled with nostalgia for the wife he had yet to meet, the land he had yet to buy, the farm he had yet to build, the turnips he had yet to plant, and the puppies, piglets, and kittens he had yet to breed. The pig pen filled him with happiness and strengthened his resolve to make these dreams flesh. All he needed was the loot from one successful expedition. Then, bingo bongo, Lum Acres would be a reality. And Lum was nothing if not an optimist. There was always a way to make everything work out. Always. Much to everyone's surprise, the Fellowship was a smashing success from the very beginning. Led by Lum, they made their way unerringly through the Underdark to the Cryptic Kings where the Soul Guard lay hidden. Eloi breached the magical defenses. Sad-Eyed Sam picked the locks. Volsloth crushed some heads. Fidelity Lightbringer kept them together with a mixture of cajoling, threats, outright violence, and most importantly, loot. Yes, the Fellowship stuffed their pouches with a cornucopia of loot. Sad-Eyed Sam got enough mithril coins and unsocketed gems to satisfy a dozen bad habits. Aloe found magical items aplenty, including a magical mirror that confirmed that elves were in fact the master race. Volsloth discovered an orcish battle axe, its ornate blade inscribed with ugly runes, and Lum found a dusty tome filled with thoughtful and accurate depictions of the creatures of the Underdark. The book, Creatures of the Underdark, was authored by a scholarly, if dead, Malarkian mage whose stiffened corpse had held on to the book with undead ferocity. But it was Fidelity's soul guard which stole the show. Reverently, the defrocked paladin placed it around his thin neck and murmured the magical words. It worked as advertised. His battered gray armor was infused with a glowing magical energy capable of turning the sharpest blade. This newfound vulnerability would constitute a problem as we shall see. Lum was happy for Fidelity and the others. They had all got what they wanted. As their blood pack had explicitly set out, Lum was entitled to 20% of the total value of all items earned by the Fellowship. His share would be able to buy Lum Acres several times over. Then, as Lum was designing the goat stable in his mind, Fidelity called for an all-hands meeting. Bingo bongo. What now? All hands meetings usually spell trouble 
for the most optimistic members of a team. This one was no exception. Fidelity's Fellowship met in a despoiled sacrificial mound just outside the crypt of the Soul Garden. Fidelity sat on a pile of orc skulls, his armor flaring from the Soul Guard's magical feet. My friends, our Fellowship is an unbelievable success. We are all rich beyond our wildest dreams, but this is only the beginning. It is my decision that we shall press on and find even greater treasure. But Fidelity... Don't we already have enough? I'll tell you when we've had enough, gnome. As a leader of this expedition, I say when we go home, read your contract. Whose name is in the first position? You, Lum said. Who? Fidelity demanded. Say it louder. You, Lum said forcefully, his heart sinking. Lum Acres was eaten far, far into the future. That's right. And what is the penalty for mutiny? Share forfeit. I get nothing. That's right, Fidelity said matter-of-factly. Rat dog, are you going to mutiny? Fidelity said, the glow from the soul guard growing dangerously intense. No, Lum said at last. Good. Sniff us out some treasure, rat dog. Lum wanted to go home, but bingo bongo, a deal was a deal, and Lum always kept his word. Over the days and weeks that followed, Lum led them through ever deeper tunnels of the underdog. But apart from a few more scars and some scattered coins, it was a fruitless search. And despite Lum's best efforts, danger ratcheted up precipitously. Only Fidelity seemed impervious to their mounting jeopardy, his manic overconfidence reinforced by the glowing soul guard. The half-orc was the first casualty, fallen victim to a trio of purple worms while taking a crack. It is a sad day for all of us, Felicity said. Soul works in mysterious ways. Even though we each are now entitled to 5% more of the treasure, it is no real condolence. Let us press on. Volsloth would have wanted it this way. A week later, sad-eyed Sam tried to assassinate Fidelity in sleep, but the paladin slept in his armor and he had the soul guard, so it really wasn't much of a contest. Fidelity dagger-stabbed Sad-Eye expertly in the guts twice to make sure, then prayed over his spasming body as the thief bled out. Soul protects us all from treachery. Mutiny is a sad thing, my friends, but take some confidence in the fact that your shares in our glorious enterprise have each jumped to 33%. Bingo bongo, Lum thought miserably. Things were looking pretty grim. Even with the rations from Sad-Eyed Sam and Vol Sloth, Eloi and Lum were both getting pretty hungry. They cut their rations in half, then in quarters. Still, Felicity would not give up the hunt for more loot. The longer they searched in vain, the more Lum was blamed. If it weren't for creatures of the Underdark, Lum would have been very lonely. The Underdark was a fascinating refuge for monstrous creatures of all types, and he was learning a lot about things like treasure-seeking gold beetles. As it turns out, Lum found something by following a pair of gold beetles. Something big. A king's chest 40 feet down from the ruins of the burial shaft. The chest was huge. An ancient thing of iron and oak. Its ornate lid studded with eight red gems. It was wedged down the throat of a stone causeway on three sides, like a tree that had outgrown its pot. Fidelity called to Lum. You see, Eloi, Rat Dog came through. 
and you wanted to kill him. Paladin held out a rope to Lum. Fetch, rat dog. Let's see what's in the chest. Lum swallowed, fear gripping his innards. He had a bad feeling about this. But, bingo bongo. A deal is a deal. Fidelity belayed the little gnome down the dark hole. The temperature grew surprisingly warm as Lum descended on the rope like an uncoordinated spider. Up close, the chest was even bigger. In fact, it almost seemed as if the lid was opening. And then, Lum saw that the lid was a mouth. An enormous mouth with jagged, serrated teeth and a prehensile pink tongue. Lum tugged on the rope in panic. His voice cracked as he stutter screamed. Pull me up! Pull me up! The mimic's python tongue adhered to Lum's leather encased right leg. The gems on the treasure chest revealed themselves as the eight glittering eyes of the mimic, each one blinking spastically. The tongue held Lum's small body before its unblinking compound eyes. Lum reached out with his mind. Beast, I am not your enemy. I seek no quarrel with you and mean you no harm. And for a brief moment, he felt something akin to understanding from the mimic. Then, with an abrupt yank, the muscular tongue pulled Lum's skinny leg into the mimic's slabbering maw, which snapped shut with a bone-crunching finality, severing the leg at the thigh. Lum screamed in disbelief as the lid opened again and he saw his thin, severed leg settle in the wet pustules of the mimic's bubbling purple throat like a bloody toothpick. With his good leg, Lum kicked out, knocking one of the mimic's triangular teeth from its puffy blackened socket. The bony tooth popped out a fountain of gore. In pain, the mimic flung Lum to the stone floor of the chamber. And this is where we came in. Poor Lum. Bingo bongo, he's in trouble. As Lum's consciousness faded from his little broken body, he heard a ghostly voice in his head that reminded him of his mother. Then, everything went black. He awoke to faint shouts coming from a great distance. Rat dog! Rat dog! Felicity called down from the lip of the Mimic's lair. It appears you've run into a bit of a sticky wicket. Ah, a healing potion! Lum yelled hoarsely. He looked around inwardly cursing the clarity of his night vision. The pool of blood from the jagged wound in his thigh now encircled his mortally injured body. He was cold and getting colder. Ho! Rat dog! Here! Fidelity threw something down into the pit. Lum painfully pulled himself through his own blood, stretching to reach it. Luckily, the mimic was distracted, still feeding on his leg. Mustering a last mighty effort of will, Lum stretched out his long fingers to catch the strap of the leather pack Fidelity had thrown down. It was stripped of all possessions save one, the crumpled Fellowship Blood Pact. No healing potions, no weapons, no food. Fidelity called down. Thank you for your service, rat dog. In the name of Father Soul, I absolve you of all your sins in these, your last hours. Your share of our success will be put to good use that I can promise you. Fidelity disappeared. Wait! Lum croaked, thinking absurdly of the one treasure he cared about, the creatures of the Underdark Tome. Eloi stood at the top of the shaft. Lum knew that she did not love gnomes, but even so, he had done her a great service in guiding the party. Surely, she would help him. Eloi threw down a rusty dagger, its pitted blade sticking into the powdery masonry between the floor stones. Even a gnome doesn't deserve to be eaten alive. 
This blade is poor human quality, but it will probably suffice. The throat is easier and cleaner if you have the will, but a long cut to the guts is more sure. She left without looking back. Lum contemplated the rusty knife. Maybe it was better to end it now before he grew too weak. But Lum was a militant optimist. Even in the worst of situations, there was always a way. The mimic's tongue coiled around the little gnome's waist and jerkily picked him up, bringing Lum to its maw. The fluid from the tooth was still draining and four of the mimic's eyes had gone dark. Lum heard the words in his mind, as if carried on an eerie wind. It was the same voice that reminded him of his mother. The mimic turned Lum to face the mimic's four good eyes. Another one went dark as he watched. The mimic pulled Lum closer but did not snap shut its jaws on the gnome's exposed spine. Lum saw that he had been mistaken about what was eating his severed leg. It wasn't the mimic at all, but its spawn. The baby mimic was like a soft, slug-like thing, about the size of a rabbit. It had no appendages and was characterized by eight tiny eyes and a ripsaw mouth. Its greedy tongue, a micro version of its mother's prehensile appendage, was dipping in and out of Lum's severed leg like a hummingbird, its teeth nipping on the meat with famished intensity. Pretty gross, right? Let's jump forward in time to the safety of the outside in and check on Lum and Fidelity. So then what happened, Rat Dog? Fidelity demanded. How did you lose your arm and where did you get the pricey replacement? Fidelity said, the soul guard aura thrumming with power. He was taking no chances. Lum and Fidelity were sitting at the table in the outside in. The sounds of revelry in the other rooms had long since dissipated. It was deadly quiet. It was just touch and go, Lum said. The mimic was dying and needed someone to take care of its spawn, and I was the only baby food available. Poor thing. But we were able to come to an agreement, one that cost me an arm and a leg. It needed me and needed it. So we made a pact, just as you and I made a pact, our blood pact, share and share alike. Lum pointed to the contract on the table. I want my creatures of the Underdark book. I want Lum Acres. I want my puppies and piglets. Give me my share. A deal is a deal. The paladin stood up, power exuding from his every pore as the soul guard eagerly revved itself up. Rat Dog, you were useful once, but my patience is at an end with you. If your story had been entertaining enough, or if by some miracle you had found something else of value, or perhaps, just perhaps, if your absurdly long nose had sniffed out a new quest, I was even going to let you live. Soul be praised. Perhaps I still will. But your insolence has a cost. Lum's voice grew shaky. But a d deal is a deal. Fidelity laughed his big, mirthless belly laugh. <laughs> no, Lum, there is no deal. There is no fairness among men. There are gods, there are warriors, then there are weak, spineless creatures 
who serve them like you. The paladin produced a dagger from his hip, lightning fast. No blade can touch me, but I can touch you. Now, let's see about those jewels and that wooden arm of yours. Lum Coward, this fidelity lightbringer, leaned over and dug the tip of his dagger into Lum's wooden arm to try and pry out the first of the red jewels. The jewel blinked twice, and Lum's wooden arm morphed into what looked like an armored slug with saw blades for a mouth. Fidelity's mouth dropped open in surprise, and that was all it took. Bingo Bongo! Lum commanded. The baby mimic's tongue shot into Fidelity's mouth gluing itself to the back of his throat and reeling itself inside the paladin's unprotected mouth, squeezing, flattening, and lengthening its body to fit. The mimic was hungry. It was always hungry. Eating living meat was a treat. Most of the time, Lum only fed it bits of dead rabbits and other game. The gnome didn't have the heart to watch animals suffer. The mimic crawled down the paladin's throat, arranging itself to allow air to reach Fidelity's lungs and make sure the meat stayed as fresh as possible. Paladin's eyes were wide, his magical force field, broadsword and armor, all useless to him now. <laughs> Lum pushed Fidelity into a sitting position. Don't try to talk. It just makes it harder for everyone, Lum said sadly. He likes to be called Bingo Bongo. He likes to eat the s- s- soft parts first, especially the tongues. You would know that if you'd bothered to read the creatures of the Underdark. Fidelity's eyes were bulging, his chest heaving under that arm. The soul guard strained and glimmered in the gloom, trying in vain to protect him. Lum averted his eyes. The m- mimic made a deal with me. Protect her b- baby, and she'd let me go. But first, I had to feed Bingo Bongo and make him strong. My leg wasn't enough m- meat, you see, and I thought I could feed him just a few f- fingers, but it turned out the whole arm had to go. It was a f- fair trade. She kept her word, and so did I. You sh- should have given me my share, Fidelity. A deal is a deal. Fidelity Lightbringer died eventually despite the Mimic's best efforts. Afterwards, Bingo Bongo crawled into the Paladin's helmet and transformed into a reasonable facsimile of Fidelity's face, smug expression and all. The likeness was waxy, like a statue, but the Mimic was getting better all the time. He could even do impressions now. Bingo Bongo. The Paladin Mimic slurred with an uneven, jagged smile. Lum waited in the dark for Aloe to arrive. The soul guard around his skinny neck, a rusty knife in his hand, daydreaming about Lum Acres and wondering whether turnips were in season. And with that, our story comes to a close. I gotta say, I'm glad to see our halfling rogue finally get some payback after all that shit he went through. And a baby mimic as his arm? <laughs> oh man! I mean, that's just too precious. The mimic has always been one of my favorite creatures, for the surprise value alone. But to give it a sense of purpose beyond just eating party members, and to make it a companion of sorts? Well, that was a nice twist to the classic monster story, if I do say so myself. 
perhaps a new familiar for my next role-playing campaign. Thank you for tuning in. Today's tale was written by Chris Olm. It was narrated and produced by Chuck D. Yeager. Voice talent was provided by Jim Daly, Tanya Yeager, and myself. All music is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. If you have a story about a monster and want to join the illustrious writers of the Monster Nation, feel free to contact us at themonsterboxawaits at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, there's a story within every monster.